What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Keeping Stock Sneaker Podcast. We're back to our normal sneaker-related content. I'm excited about this episode. I had a lot of fun doing the research on an illustrious NBA career, diving in a little bit further into his signature shoes, and just understanding the significance that Vince Carter played throughout his 22-year career. That career is almost as long as I've been alive, and I'm sure you've gone through some transformative phases during this NBA career. I mean, he played in four decades. And before we hop into the episode, as always, new episodes every Sunday on all your favorite podcast platforms. So make sure to subscribe, follow, rate, and let's hop right into it. So where to start with Vince Carter? I think it's only best that we take it to the very beginning. He was drafted in the 1998 class, the fifth pick. He was drafted by the Golden State Warriors, surprisingly enough, but ended up being traded for Antoine Jameson. And over that time, he played in four decades, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and the 20s, which all sounds weird, 90s, 1000s, 10s, 20s. He ended up playing for the Raptors, obviously, the Nets the Magic, the Suns, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, the Kings, and ended his career with the Hawks. As we know, the Hawks didn't make it into this playoff scenario that the NBA is tossing around that'll take us from July to October. So unfortunately, Vince Carter is officially retired on a very strange note. Bright side is he made his very last shot before the coronavirus and the pandemic and the stoppage of the league. So he ended it with a three. You would have figured he would have ended with a dunk, but three is one hell of a way to go out as well. He was an eight-time All-Star, a Rookie of the Year, and some people say arguably, but I mean, I'm sure it's pretty definite that Vince Carter is the greatest dunker of all time. I mean, if you look at what he did in-game, in-contests, for fun, revolutionize what dunking was. Yes, today there are professional dunkers who don't necessarily play basketball at a high level, but they're great at dunking and coming up with creative dunks and getting paid for that. Vince Carter was playing in the NBA and just used his athleticism as, hey, let me try this, let me try that, and with such ferocity and force that it was tough to deny him at the rim. But what I didn't know is while in high school, he was playing football, a freshman quarterback, and he broke his arm. And so he transitioned to playing volleyball, which he was the player of the year. He averaged 24 kills a game. And then on top of that, he got a scholarship to Bethane Cookman to play the saxophone. So a very multi-talented student athlete in high school. Obviously ends up going to North Carolina. I think he was contacted by somewhere between 75 and 80 colleges. He also played a few AU basketball games uh, where Kobe Bryant was on his team as well, which was fun to see how they came up together. And then if you haven't seen the Carter effects on Netflix, he revolutionized Toronto to the basketball city it is today. They were a new team when he showed up. He changed the atmosphere. He invested in the community, created his own bar that all NBA players loved, brought hype, brought excitement, and lifted 
Toronto during its years where they weren't 100% sure if they are going to stick around. So easily, Vince Carter has transformed the game in a plethora of ways, from helping Toronto to being a mentor to younger players throughout four decades. What I found very interesting, listen to this list of father and son combinations that Vince Carter has either played with or played against. Glenn Rice, Glenn Rice Jr., Tim Hardaway, Tim Hardaway Jr., Glenn Robinson Jr., Glenn Robinson III, Gary Payton, Gary Payton II, Gary Trent, Gary Trent Jr., Jaron Jackson, Jaron Jackson Jr., Patrick Ewing, Patrick Ewing Jr. I don't know what's up with NBA players and directly naming all of their sons Jr. or the second. Must be common for that age frame, not as common now. Then we get some switch up. We get Gerald Wilkins and Damian Wilkins, Terry Davis, Ed Davis, Avita Sabonis, DeMontis Sabonis, Harvey Grant, Jeremy Grant, Jerry Ingrant, Grant, Del Curry, Stephen Curry, and Seth Curry during his 22-year career. But at the time that Vince retired, he had four teammates on his team who were born after he was drafted. Bruno Fernando, Kevin Huerter, Trey Young, and Cam Reddish, which Cam Reddish was born after Vince finished his rookie year. So it's phenomenal to think of longevity in the league, especially to the eras of basketball Vince Carter played through, the physicality, the speed, the differences in East and West, and the development of the game from paint protection to strictly outside the three-point stripe. And through all of that, he remained humble. He remained himself as a competitor. I wish he would have got a ring. It never really happened, but I don't think he would have been happy with just getting handed a ring by being on the bench of some team. And so let's take it back to his original sponsorship deal. And this deal was with Puma, right? We see Puma now kind of coming back into the basketball scene. They were prominent a little while with the Puma Clydes and Walt Frazier, but they sign Vince Carter. They see his explosiveness, his talent, his athleticism, what he's doing for Toronto, and they give him the Puma Vinsanity. Typical 90s basketball shoe, early 2000s, very bulky, heavy on the leather, high top, black. To advertise the shoe, they had him playing basketball outside in the snow to represent Toronto. And then in the gym, what I found very interesting was that it was to Corn's Freak on a Leash song. So it's safe to say time to change quite a bit for music selection and commercials and, you know, what's mainstream and what's not. And in this Vinsanity, it utilized that Puma Cell technology to help with responsiveness and cushion. But unfortunately, the shoes just hurt his feet. He found it unbearable and no longer continued his contract with Puma. And so he hops out. When he hops out, he's kind of a, a sneaker-free agent, which wasn't a, a thing as much back then because sneakers weren't nearly as big as they are today. But he was testing out different brands. One of those brands was And One. And One's been had its highs and had its lows. I remember the And One team coming to my area to play, and I was lucky enough to play in the game as a very young kid and throw an alley-oop off the backboard to another player. The professor was there, uh, hot sauce, and Anwan was booming in the early 2000s. And so Vince Carter enters the 2000s dunk contest in the And One Tai Chi, that kind of red and white colorway. And this is 
the most memorable dunk contest in all of dunk contests. Some may say it's Jordan in 88 jumping from the free throw line. Some may say it's more recent with some of the theatrics and the evolution of what Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine were doing. But in most circles, the 2000s dunk contest was the one. And you have to think, at that time, we're starting to see peak athleticism and creativity being utilized in these contests. And so here comes Vince Carter, the greatest dunker of all time. He throws down a 360 windmill, one of the first times it's been seen in a while, and smooth. Didn't even look like it took any effort with maximum force. And this is when the dunk contest was in some of its pure forms. People didn't necessarily miss their first dunk attempt. They had it dialed in. And Vince just went out there and put on a show. So he comes out, does a 360 windmill, then does another 360 windmill from approaching the basket from behind the backboard. So essentially you're running from behind the backboard out and away from the rim to a 360 windmill. Then he goes to the honey dip, one of the most iconic dunks of all time. Loved it in NBA Street. One of the greatest games. EA needs to bring back NBA Street. Vince Carter honey dips. That is rising, putting your elbow higher than the rim. So when you dunk, your elbow crease is on the rim. So half of your arms in. Just absurd bounce for Vince Carter. And then he does teammate T-Mac off the bounce East Bay with ease and seals the dunk contest. One of the ones a lot of people forget is he also jumped from the free throw line or maybe a step in and dunked it with two hands. So most of the free throw line dunks you see are, you know, full full court from the free throw line one hand. He did it with two hands, maybe a step inside, which is insane to be in the air, to not have to stretch and get your full body there for the two-handed slam. And as someone who has been able to dunk in their basketball career, those things he was doing was unheard of. Unfortunately, today in basketball, a lot of these dunks that we see, we've seen before, we've kind of hit the peak of what the human body can do for dunks, or you have people getting paid just to dunk. But back then, this was creating a new generation. You'd get Jason Richardson eventually. You'd get what Nate Robinson was doing. You'd get a lot of creative dunks to occur. And this was in the and one Tai Chi. He's still a free agent. But that summer, the 2000 summer, he signs with Nike as a signature athlete. And Nike had been developing this technology since 1985 and was finally ramping up to reveal to the public. And so how do they go about revealing it? The designer for this sneaker, Eric Avar, also known as the Kobe Bryant, one of the main Kobe Bryant designers, always wanted to put a statement into the shoe and illustrate the future and flight. And no one better than Vince Carter. So they take the Nike shock and put it into a basketball shoe. So you get the Nike Shocks BB4. Material was made from an upper that was supposed to resemble spacesuits in flight with the Nike Shocks, BB standing for basketball, four standing for the four Shocks pillars on the heel. And so Vince Carter starts wearing this new technology, super excited to be the one, the signature star of this, and goes to the 2000 Olympics. 
where on this Olympics team was Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Gary Payton, Tim Hardaway, Jason Kidd. They end up winning the gold, and Vince Carter leads the team in scoring 14.8 points a game, but that's not what people remember the 2000s Olympics for. This is one of the dunks. If you like basketball, are passionate about basketball, you have to see. If you haven't seen it, I don't think you've done enough research, but this was the dunk de la morte or the dunk of death, right? Team USA is playing France. They score inbound. Vince Carter gets the steal. France has a center, obviously, traditional big foreign player. And this player happens to be 7-2. Frederick Weiss is standing on the the left block and Vince Carter approaches full speed and in, in his mind you know he's thinking why not lifts and clears seven foot two in game and dunks the ball one of the first mega posters I mean anytime you see it you just say wow drop your phone you get hyped just cleared him seamlessly And he goes on record to say he tried jumping over people frequently in practice, but could never really get it down. So he was comfortable in the scenario, but it never made it and decided that on the grandest of stages, the Olympics representing Team USA in the Nike shocks, BB4 lifted over Frederick Weiss 7-2 and put it through. Iconic poster. And of course, Vince is wearing the Nike shocks BB4 blows up even more after that it was in then you get the signature vince carters the nike shocks vcs there's the vc all the way up to the vc5 remember those came in those dark blue and lime boxes shoe boxes and i mean from the vince carter line that's probably the the biggest moment and i remember having i think the vince carter fives is team shoes you know when i was playing basketball and shocks was the big thing. I mean, shocks was the technology that essentially took a look at what people were composing of tracks, the rubber to create feedback and take stress off the joints, but not let you sink too far in to hinder performance. So you look at the shocks and boing, that's what they're thinking. It's giving you this bouncy boing feeling. It's giving you that feedback, very similar to what Adidas is doing with Boost. And that was Nike shocks. And from there, we've seen Vince Carter play for 22 years. He came back out wearing the Nike shocks a few times in the past two seasons during his farewell tour, so to speak. And it's crazy to see those things still hold up because I remember having a pair and they were heavy and bulky and basketball shoes have changed quite a bit. But it is one of the most iconic shoes in the sneaker world whether it's the Shocks technology or it's the Nike Shocks BB4 that Vince Carter jumped over a 7-2 human being in-game on. And I'm thankful to have been able to see Vince Carter play in one of his final seasons. I think he was still with the Kings at the time, still got up and dunked the ball. It's phenomenal to see someone have a 22-year career and have their body be intact. I wish him the best in retirement. It's one of those things I'm grateful to have seen him. And I always look forward to watching his highlights and passing those on down the road. And I hope you guys enjoyed this segment on Vince Carter and the Nike Shocks. If you did, go ahead and share the podcast or let me know what your favorite pair of Nike Shocks you had was. Or if you use Vince Carter and NBA Street Games, 
just let me know. I really enjoyed putting this one together. It was super fun. I hope everyone is safe and sound out there. And after the break, we're going to get into some cool content and whatever's remaining of upcoming releases. If you like what you've heard so far, make sure to follow us on social media, Instagram at keeping stock and Twitter at keeping underscore stock. Further, social media is always found in the show notes and other cool things that are going on with the keeping stock podcast. But the best place to find that is going to be following us on Instagram and Twitter. Without further ado, let's get back to the show. Here we go with cool content. The PS5 is released. I traditionally have been someone who's played on Xbox. I haven't played on a new console in a while. I have an Xbox 360. By the time I wanted to get a new console, I was just waiting for something new. And now we have the new Xbox and the new PS5. And the first thing that popped out in the PS5 launched me was they showed 2K21. And I find it comical that it's all these mechanics in the game need a little bit of adjusting or all of this is a little wonky. But you know what we're going to give you is more sweat. I mean, it just seems like each year of 2K is more realistic sweat. Maybe the mechanics may advance, but it looks like the visuals are changing frequently. I also was happy to see that they're going to add a some downloadable content for the Spider-Man game for Miles Morales. And then it's also a very modern take on a console. I'm not sure how I feel about the white color on the PS5. I wish it was black, but we'll see more as time advances. Obviously, another GTA 5 downloadable free content is coming with the PS5. That game is killing it. GTA 5 has made so much money. So it'll be interesting to see how the PS5 launch goes. A lot of people were super hyped. Uh, a lot of people are trashing the Xbox. Even though the Xbox appears to have a little bit better specs, the PS5 is more notably known than the PlayStation and Sony for the exclusive games and the games offered. Then we saw Jordan Brand donate $100 million to Black Lives Matters and similar funds over the next 10 years, which was great to see. And then Jordan hops onto his yacht and enters a fishing competition and catches a 442.3 pound marlin. I didn't even know Jordan was into fishing, but I guess if there's money in it, there's stakes online, you can catch Jordan there. Massive marlin. Uh, Funny to see him out and about fishing but great to see Jordan Brand making those donations as well. And then personally, what came out this week, uh, Netflix did some great stuff. They did Dave Chappelle's 846, a great statement and observational piece on what's going on in society today from Dave Chappelle, who has a phenomenal way of storytelling and relating that to many individuals throughout the world, which I recommend taking a peek at. It's about 27 minutes long. It'll be in the show notes below for you if you haven't seen it yet. Then they released the trailer for season three of Dark. If you haven't seen Dark, I suggest it. It might be my favorite show of all time at this point. It's very well written. It's a great puzzle. It keeps you on edge, keeps you guessing. And it's going to be the third and final season. So if you're looking for content, if you've run out from, you know, staying home, the quarantine, etc., go and check out Dark. The new season comes out on the 27th of June. Now, Let's get into whatever's remaining of upcoming releases because I'm not sure what's going to get pulled or pushed or canceled like the Puerto Rico Air Force Ones were. Uh, A lot of companies have been pushing their releases to keep an eye on what's going on in the community and helping out where they can and not take away any spotlight from these causes. But we're going to look at the 
14th through the 20th of June. So on the 15th, we get the Nike Shocks BB4 Raptors Black, which has a bit of the Raptor marks on the upper. It's kind of got a lizardous skin on it, black upper, purple shocks, 3M on those Raptor marks. That'll be about 170. I think most of the Nike shocks are on sale for about half off on Nike.com. If you want to go grab a pair of BB4s before they're gone at a good price, that comes out on the 15th. Following that, we get the Nike SB Blazer Low, green and gum, pretty solid casual shoe, a dark green upper, gum on the bottom, white swoosh. Then we see the Jordan 6 Hair on June 17th. Once again, not really sure if this one is getting pushed back or it is going to release or if some retailers are going to release it and some aren't. Keep an eye on your Twitter feed or your Instagram feed because in some cases it looks like retailers are releasing the product and in some cases they're pushing it back with Nike as well. We get a couple Reebok question lows, uh, patent vivid orange and patent fluid blue. Those come out on the 18th as well. Then we get the Nike Adapt Automax Anthracite. Not a huge fan of the Adapt Automax. As I always say with technology, I'm waiting for it to scale a bit because $400 for this, what looks to be a brick on your foot, doesn't do it for me. I'd rather buy something that I missed on release day for $400 than these. Eventually, I'd like to get an auto-lacing shoe, but $400 is steep. We also see some of the Nike Be True collection. So that's the Pegasus 37 on June 19th. And then this is forecasting the top three fives. I believe those have been pushed back as well, along with the Jordan 1 High Zoom and Rage Green. So take all this with a grain of salt. Not 100% sure what's actually going to come out. I do hope though, if any of you listeners want to help me out, is LeBron 7 MVP is supposed to come out this month at select Nike retailers. The rumor seems pretty confirmed. Uh, so I'm going to be trying my best to get a pair or two and find where I can get them retail, resale, LeBron and game seven. I'm going to go all out to try to get these. So if you guys find any information, go ahead and let me know. I thank you guys for listening to today's episode. As I said before, hope everyone's safe, having a good time talking with friends and maybe your staying home has been lifted. You're enjoying a little bit of the sun. I'll catch you guys next week. If you can, make sure to like and follow the podcast, and I'll catch you next time.